Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, London after midnight and the murder of Julia Mangan. But first, your true crime headlines. A Chicago mother has been charged with first-degree murder in the fatal stabbing of her five-year-old daughter. The last moments of Serenity Arrington's life were witnessed by her eight-year-old sister before their mother, 27-year-old Simone Austin, allegedly slashed Serenity's throat with a serrated knife and repeatedly stabbed her. Serenity's sister told detectives that she was in a bedroom in the family's apartment in East Garfield Park when Austin told her to leave the room. The girl did so, but then, looking through a hole through the door, she saw her mother pull a knife from under the pillow and attack her sister. Serenity told her mother that she was sorry and pleaded for her to stop. After Serenity was stabbed, Austin carried her out to the street, placed her on the ground, and laid down next to her until the firefighters arrived. The girl was rushed to the hospital, where she later died. Austin refused to tell police why she attacked her daughter, but her surviving daughter told detectives that her mother had been walking around the apartment holding a knife after the older girl spilled eggs on the porch. Austin is being held without bond. In Mount Vernon, Washington, a 24-year-old man was sentenced to four years and three months in prison after pleading guilty to one count of controlled substance homicide. Logan Allen Ebby pleaded guilty to selling the fentanyl-laced drugs that killed 24-year-old Frank Gray of Anacortes on February 4, 2019. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, fentanyl is 50 times more potent than heroin and 100 times more potent than morphine. Ebby knew that Gray was trying to stay clean and sold the drugs to him anyway. A few days before Gray's body was found, another Anacortes man nearly died after overdosing on the same pills. That man got his pills from Gray, who got them from Ebby. Gray's mother, Claudia Markin, wrote in a victim impact statement, quote, The only thing I can do now is grieve the loss of my son and hope that no other mother tomorrow or the next day or next month experiences what I have lived through this past year from the actions of this person. A man in prison for murder since 1996 was exonerated Wednesday in Detroit after authorities agreed that his conviction was spoiled by the faulty testimony of an informant and the results of DNA testing. 45-year-old Lucino Hamilton was convicted of second-degree murder in the 1994 death of a Detroit woman. He was just 21 years old and served 26 years in prison. Hamilton was sentenced to at least 52 years in prison, which would have meant no opportunity for parole until 2046, but two attorneys took up his case along with the Western Michigan University Cooley Law School Innocence Project. Hamilton's conviction was based on the testimony of a jailhouse informant, which proved to be unreliable. A special unit in the prosecutor's office that looks at possible wrongful convictions investigated, and DNA found under the victim's fingernails has now excluded Hamilton. The DNA evidence was never disclosed before the 1995 trial and wasn't tested at the time. 
Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy said, quote, In addition to that, and perhaps even more alarming, is the woefully improper use of informants in this case by the Detroit Police Department. The use of informants can be a very valuable tool in fighting crime and seeking justice, but in this case, it was used and abused horribly. Hamilton is now a free man. I'm a little overwhelmed right now, Hamilton said. I'm extremely grateful and look forward to being a productive citizen in our community. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, the London after midnight murder. But first, a quick break. These are challenging times. And in difficult times, it can be difficult to cope. So if you've been thinking about talking to someone, it's time to get BetterHelp. BetterHelp is not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. BetterHelp is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist so that you can start communicating in under 48 hours. They have a broad range of expertise available, and the service is available for clients worldwide. Just log in to your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you don't ever have to sit in a waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to. Plus, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Just visit their website and read the testimonials that are posted daily. Like this one, written by a BetterHelp user after counseling with Karen Marks for two weeks. Karen combines an invaluable balance of expert arm's-length advice with personal compassion and empathy that guides her counseling to another level. As someone who listens well with great respect and who provides immediate, actionable, and practical advice, I could not recommend Karen more highly. Or this one, written by a BetterHelp user after two weeks of counseling with Jeffrey Owen. Jeffrey shows great patience and understanding and seems genuinely interested in helping during our talks. I am grateful to him. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MurderMinute. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Murder Minute listeners get 10% off their first month when they go to betterhelp.com slash murderminute. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash murderminute. Social distancing can get pretty lonely. So now more than ever, I need my best fiends. Best Fiends is the app that engages my brain with challenging but fun puzzle games. The game is simple and fun. The good guys are the bugs, and the bad guys are the slugs. Complete the puzzles to defeat the slugs as you travel through the world of minutia, 
collecting keys and unlocking new fiends along the way, like Brittle the Housefly, Edward the Mosquito, Gordon the Scorpion, and my best fiend, Pop the Axolotl. One of the things I love about true crime is that the more you dig into the story, the more layers you uncover. And that's what's great about Best Fiends too. The more I play, the more fun it gets. I'm on level 165. And with new monthly updates, themed challenges, and holiday puzzles, there's always one more level. And the adventure never gets old. This is my pandemic must play. So the next time you need a break from the news cycle, or run out of shows to binge watch, download Best Fiends free. You might find yourself wondering how you ever found time for a dull moment before. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already. It's hours of fun at your fingertips and can even be played offline. This game has over 100 million downloads and millions more five-star reviews for a reason. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On the night of October 23rd, 1928, a constable was walking on the north side of Hyde Park in London when he spotted a man near Fountain Gate. The man was laying face down, bleeding from the throat, and a razor lay beside him. I did it, the man said to the policeman. She has been teasing me. The man pointed to the nearby body of a woman, laying face down, lifeless. Her left hand held her throat. Her glove was soaked with blood. The man was 28-year-old Robert Williams, an out-of-work carpenter from North Wales. The woman was 21-year-old Julia Mangan, a housemaid who lived at nearby Stanhope Gardens. Both were rushed to the hospital. Julia died. Robert survived, and police opened an inquest. According to the victim's brother, Patrick Mangan, Julia had been seeing Robert Williams for three weeks. Patrick told police that he had recently thrown Robert out of her place for being drunk. On November 5, 1928, Robert Williams was taken to prison and charged on two counts, one of murder, the other attempted suicide. Two months later, Robert Williams gave his account of that night at his trial at the Old Bailey. He told the court that he and Julia had been friends for about a month and that he had wanted to kill himself three days before he killed her. According to Robert, at about 10 o'clock that evening, they had been talking. I wanted to marry her and I told her so, he told the court insisting that he had no intention of hurting Julia and that there had been no argument between them. The last thing I remember was Julia whistling. Then I felt as if my head were going to burst and that steam was coming out both sides. All sorts of things came to my mind, 
I thought a man had me in a corner and was pulling faces at me. He threatened and shouted at me that he had me where he wanted me. Do you remember whose face it was? Robert's defense lawyer prompted. Yes, sir. It was the face of Lon Chaney, as he had looked in the horror mystery film London After Midnight, he said. Robert had seen the film several months before. The movie was directed by the legendary Todd Browning, who would go on to become famous for Dracula and the cult classic Freaks. In London After Midnight, Roger Balfour is found dead in his London home, and a Scotland Yard inspector, Edward C. Burke, played by Lon Chaney, is called to investigate. Burke finds a suicide note and closes the case. Five years later, new tenants at the Balfour estate appear, a hideous vampire and a ghostly woman. Detective Burke of Scotland Yard reproduces the scene of the crime and hypnotizes the suspect into reenacting the murder. Ultimately, the vampire is revealed to be Burke. In 1928, the actor Lon Chaney was already famous as a makeup artist, and one of the draws of the film was that it showcased his skills as his detective character donned various disguises. The iconic look shown on the film's poster features Lon Chaney with sharpened teeth and wire fittings like monocles to open his eyes into a hypnotist stare. Robert Williams told the court that he had committed the murder during an epileptic fit after the horrific vision of Lon Chaney in London after midnight made him go temporarily insane. To back up their claim of insanity, the defense called a chaplain from Robert Williams' hometown who testified that he knew of five separate incidences of insanity in the Williams family. A London doctor who said that he treated Robert for neurasthenia, an ill-defined condition characterized by weakness of the nerves, irritability, fatigue, headache, depressed mood, and emotional disturbances, said that while he would have considered Robert abnormal, he would not have certified him insane. Another doctor, James Cohen Woods, suggested that Robert Williams had been suffering from something he called epileptic automatism, an epileptic mental attack, a theory that the judge took issue with. You have said that many people of high intelligence are going about their work although they are suffering from epilepsy, he challenged. Are you suggesting that they might commit murder tomorrow? The judge, Mr. Justice Humphreys, challenged Robert Williams' supposed vision of Lon Chaney in his summation to the jury. I do not know whether you have been to see any film in which he acted, he said. One of them, we are told, is The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and another, London After Midnight. If any of you members of the jury have seen the latter, or even the advertisements of what Mr. Lon Chaney looks like when he is acting in the film, you may agree that it's enough to terrify anyone. It is the story of a haunted house, and Lon Chaney takes the part of a person, really a detective, who pretends to be a most terrifying ghost 
if the accused saw that film, you may not think it remarkable or as in any way indicating insanity that he should in a moment of emotional excitement remember the horrifying, terrible aspect of an actor in a part which he was purposely being terrible. I can myself see nothing in the vision to suggest that the accused is epileptic. On January 10th, 1929, the jury found Robert Williams guilty, and Justice Humphreys sentenced him to death by hanging. Two weeks later, however, the sentence was commuted by the Home Secretary, Sir William Joynson Hicks. He decided that the murderer should instead serve his sentence at Broadmoor Criminal Lunatic Asylum. Today, Todd Browning's infamous film, London After Midnight, is lost. The last known copy was destroyed in the 1967 MGM Vault fire in Culver City, California. In 2014, an original poster for the film sold for nearly half a million dollars. It is one of the most sought after of all the lost silent films. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.